Well, good morning, Edinburgh Church. Hey, Merry Christmas, right? It's coming. Um, <laughs> as Pastor Bob's reminded us these last few weeks. Um, hey, if you're a guest this morning, I want to give you a warm welcome. We're, we're just so glad you're here. We just want you to sit back, relax, enjoy the rest of this service uh, this morning. And also say if you're watching online, we're glad you're tuned in and that you're with us uh, as well. We're currently in a series called Peace on Earth. And uh, we're, we're dealing with this issue of peace. This is, this is in part what Christmas is all about. Jesus came so that we could have peace. Last week I talked about peace in our relationships and specifically peace uh, amongst people of, of different ethnicities and how Jesus unites us and, and makes us friends. Um, but this, this morning, uh, I just I want to talk about our own emotional, just personal peace. Jesus came so that we wouldn't be stressed out in life, um, but that we would have his peace reigning in our hearts. In fact, we read this, John 14, 27, and Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift. You could think of it as a Christmas gift this morning. And he's saying this just before he's about to go to the cross and be resurrected and, and ascend into heaven. But he says, peace of mind and heart. That's the gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give, he says, it's a gift the world cannot give. This is a peace that only Jesus, only God can give to us. He says, don't be troubled or afraid. Um, but if I have learned one thing after looking at texts like this and trying to live it out in my life... This peace that Jesus is talking about here, it's not automatic, is it? I mean, many of us are believers this morning. Many of us are following Christ this morning. And yet, we're still dealing with stress and worries in our life. And we're not always walking and experiencing this peace that Jesus talks about. If there's one thing I know about America and living in the U.S. today, it's that we are stressed out in this country. In fact, if you look at uh, statistics, it shows that uh, we're at near record levels for stress. Stress has not been this bad uh, since World War II. Um, research shows that one out of every five Americans, this is according to the American Institute of Stress. Now, let's just stop right there. <laughs> Apparently, in America, we need an institute of stress. But that's for good reason. It's actually, it's a major problem. It's costing companies, it's costing healthcare huge amounts of money. So we have the American Institute of Stress telling us that one out of five people are dealing with something called extreme stress. Okay, extreme stress manifests itself in shaking, um, heart palpitations, uh, depression, panic attacks. Uh, by the way, if that's you this morning, just know you're not alone. 20% of your, your fellow Americans are, are, are dealing with that as well. Uh, seven out of ten uh, Americans are dealing with either physical or non-physical um, symptoms of stress. This includes things like anger, irritability, fatigue, sleep problem, even diabetes, and, and, and weight gain, and, and things like this. Um, stress is taking um, a, a toll. Many years ago, it would be over five years ago now, um, I became the lead pastor here at Edinburgh Church. And anytime you go through like a job change, there's going to be stress. I, I, I'm doing 
a lot better these days, but those early years were very stressful. Uh, I was, you know, seeing my joy and energy levels just uh, deplete. Uh, I'm trying to oversee, you know, a staff, figure out the direction of the church, you know. Uh, it was a lead on, on a almost $2 million budget. Just a lot of, of stress. In those days, giving messages just about every weekend plus other events, speaking at things. And I was, um, I was stressed out. I'd get home, help Danielle put the kids to bed, and then I would be on the couch. I couldn't get up. I was, I was stressed out. I started uh, fantasizing about escape. I remember I read this article about these people in a different country who live in trees. I started fantasizing, what would it be like if I moved my family and we just lived in the trees? For Danielle, this is when she started to see, right, red flags. Um, I remember I started to avoid people because I was so scared they might add something to my to-do list. I was at a conference uh, during that season, and I remember seeing a friend who has his own ministry uh, from across the room, and I said, don't do it, don't make eye contact. If you do it, he's going to want to talk to you. And then I said, Brent, you are being silly. This is your friend. Make eye contact. Wave at him. So I did. I looked at him. I waved. And sure enough, this was towards the end of the, uh, the conference. He comes walking over. And the first thing he says, Brent, so good to see you. I've been meaning to talk to you. I've got an event coming up in a couple of months. And I was wondering if you would like to speak at it. And I remember walking to the car and just saying, God, you have a sick sense of humor. <laughs> and on the way home, I was saying things like, God, my, my emotional bucket is, is empty. God, nobody understands what I'm going through. Maybe you can relate to that this morning. And, and even if you haven't experienced those symptoms of extreme stress, we're all dealing with stress in some ways. For some of you, it's, it's your money, it's your finances, you know, it's your budget. That can be very stressful. Uh, for others of us, it's emotional stress in, in your relationships. You know, if you're dealing with conflict with another person right now, uh, that can be very stressful. If someone criticizes you, that can be very stressful. Um, some of you are going through change, and we know that change can also be very stressful for people. If you're going through change in your family situation or dynamic or in your marriage or change at your job, all of these things can, can bring stress into our life. So how do we deal with stress? Well, again, when we look at the research, we find that about 13% of people will turn to excessive drinking of alcohol to try to cope with the stress. Um, other people will turn to pornography or some other sexual addiction in their life. Uh, the number one um, drug being abused in, in America today, it's not cocaine, it's not heroin, it, it's prescription drugs. And uh, this is a way that many of us, we try to cope uh, with stress in our life. Um, for others of us, it's just we binge watch TV or we binge eat. And it's things like that. And so two things I, I want to say to you this morning is first, just realize if you're dealing with stress this morning, you are not alone. If you're dealing with some kind of coping mechanism this morning because you're trying to deal with your stress, I, I want you to hear this morning, you're not alone. But I also want you to hear that there is good news. Jesus came so that we could have peace. Now, listen to me this morning. I'm not going to try to tell you this morning that I can get rid of all your stress. That would be a lie. 
Probably to some degree, we're always going to have some measure of stress in our life. But what God does promises us, he promises us peace in the midst of our storm. He promises us peace in the midst of whatever is stressing us out. And I want us to see this morning what the Apostle Paul says on this topic of stress. If you're dealing with stress this morning, I, you, I'm glad you're here. Okay, This is the promise God gives us. This is from Philippians 4.7. God says, if you do these things, now this is in your outline, and you're going to see that I underline that. We'll come back to this. If you do these things, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. Some translations say it's a peace that surpasses understanding. It's a peace that doesn't make sense in light of what you're dealing with and going through. He says, his peace, God's peace, will keep your thoughts quiet and your heart at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. So this is the promise to us, that God can give us peace no matter where you're at this morning. You could walk out of here this morning with God's peace in your, in your life, in your, in your heart. But did you catch that first part? If you do these things, if you do these things, there's a over 7,000 promises in, in God's word and just about every one of those promises comes with a premise. Where God's saying, I will do this in your life if you do this, if you do your part. And so I want us to hear that this morning. Yes, God will give us his peace, but there are some things that we're going to have to do on our part. And Paul mentioned specifically three things that you and I are going to have to do if we're going to experience this, this peace. So again, if you have an outline, you might want to follow along as I work through these three things. The first thing that the, the Apostle Paul says to us is, Refuse to worry. Refuse to worry. Okay, Philippians 4, 6. This is the verse just before the promise. Never worry about anything. That sounds pretty ironclad. You say, well, what about my job situation? Don't worry about anything. Well, what about my finances? Don't worry about anything. What Paul's telling us is don't worry. What you need to have is, is, is trust. You need to have, you need to have faith. Um, you say, how do I know where my faith levels are at these days? How, how do I know how I'm doing in trusting God? The litmus test is how much are you worrying these days? Worry is the indicator in your life that you're not trusting God the way God asks you to trust him. You realize when we worry what we're, what we're being. We're actually being Christian atheists. <laughs> We're not trusting. Rather, we're worrying. Something God told us not to do. Jesus felt like this was so important in his most famous sermon, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's recorded for us in the book of Matthew. He's going to give us four reasons you and I should not worry. He's going to spend a, a majority of, a, a large part of that sermon, not the majority, but one of the largest sections in it is on this topic of, of worry. And he's going to give us four reasons why you and I should not worry. The first reason Jesus tells us not to worry is because worry is unreasonable. He says this, he says, Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Okay? What Jesus is telling us here is that when we worry, we get everything out of whack. We lose all objectivity and we don't know how to deal with the things that are most important in life. We lose our perspective. 
have you ever noticed that when you worry or just the tendency of your mind to blow things out of proportion? Am I the only one? Okay, I've learned that I have this tendency to blow things out of proportion. That's the problem with worry. When we worry, we blow things out of proportion. We make mountains out of molehills. Many years ago, uh, Danielle and I were in our living room and we saw, um, uh, I guess, uh, maybe a creepy shape out on our porch. uh, approaching our door, and it, and it freaked us out. And so we, we ran upstairs quickly. We grabbed our kids. Uh, we were convinced that this person was going to break into our home. And so um, we locked ourselves in the bedroom, and then we went into the bathroom and locked ourselves in there, and then we went into the closet and locked ourselves in there while we called 911 and said, hey, someone's trying to break into our home. This scary-looking person. And I'm starting arming up, right? I'm preparing for World War III, okay? And then we start seeing sirens and stuff, you know, all over our neighborhood, all around our house. I see the cop coming out through our backyard with his gun drawn. Like, they're looking for people. So I come out. I come outside looking like Rambo, right? I am, I am ready. And uh, they're like, so we're searching the area. We haven't found anything. Uh, let's walk around the neighborhood, see what we can find. Well, I notice that a few houses down, there's some commotion, and there's something happening at this house. I see some cars pulling in. So I go down there, and I see it's, it's uh, adults pulling into this park, and, and they're, they're, they're going into the house and then walking out with these 13-year-olds. And so we start asking questions. We start asking these, these 13-year-olds, did you guys see anything? Was, did you see anyone over at this house, like, trying to break in? And finally, one of them just broke down and said, it was us. We were playing ding-dong ditch. Now, I'll tell you, those 13-year-olds, they're never going to play ding-dong ditch again, okay? They learned a valuable lesson that day. But what we realized is it wasn't someone, you know, the officer was like, how big was this person? I was like, I don't know, at least seven foot tall officer. I... <laughs> no, it was a 13-year-old playing ding-dong ditch. But our minds blew it out of proportion, and you and I have a tendency to do that. Someone criticizes, you know, gives you a, makes a critical comment towards you, next thing you know, they're not just being critical, they hate your guts and they want you to die. This is the problem with worry. Is it? Jesus is saying it's unreasonable. Don't let your mind go there. Secondly, he tells us worry is unnatural. He goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Why worry about clothes? Look at the, 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 the field lilies. They don't worry about theirs. Yet King Solomon in all his glory was never clothed as beautiful as they. Here's, here's what Jesus is telling us here. You know, animals don't worry. Dogs don't worry. Birds don't worry. Cats don't worry. They create your worries, okay? But, but they, they don't worry. The flowers of the fields don't worry. The only people who worry are human beings. Human beings are the only ones who worry. And by the way, it's something we learn. It's something that we develop. We're not born worriers. You're not born a worrier. But you learn to worry, and then you start practicing it, and you get really good at it. Some of us, you know, we we deserve an award in our ability to worry. But if it's been learned, it needs to be unlearned. Jesus is saying it's unnatural. And by the way, because it's unnatural, it's unhealthy for you. 
Um, WebMD, check this out. You can go there and they have research on how many people, what people are dealing with when they go in for their doctor visits and go into the hospital. 75% to 90% of every doctor visit is because of something caused by stress in our lives. And if you ask doctors what's stressing us out, mostly doctors will tell you worry. Worry. So it's, it's taking a toll on, on our health. And this is why Jesus says don't, don't do it. It's unnatural and it's going to lead to health problems in your life. He goes on to tell us don't worry because it's unhelpful. He says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life. It's not going to do you any good. It's not going to make you an inch taller. I'm telling you, if it could, I would be a giant by now. It's not going to make you live any longer. In fact, if anything, it's just going to shorten your life. Um, it says, don't do it unhelpful. Here's the logic here. If you, if you can't change the situation, there's no point in worrying about it. You can't change it. You're just going to affect your own health and, and affect yourself and be miserable. If you can't change the situation, don't worry about it. If you can change the situation, if you have the power to change the situation, go do something about it. That's the logic here. If you can't do anything about it, doesn't make sense to worry. If you can, sometimes the best remedy to worry is just hard work and just taking action and dealing with the problem. But Jesus says it's not helpful for our lives. And last, Jesus tells us worry is unnecessary. He says, if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he most surely care for you? Oh, you of little faith. There you see it. It comes down to our faith. He's saying, you have a Father in heaven who loves you. You have a Father in heaven who sees the toll that this is taking on you. Would you, would you just go to God and would you give him your worries? Cast your worries on God. That's what the Bible tells us to do. 1 Peter 5, 7, look at this. This is in your outline. Unload all your worries on God since he is looking after you. Unload it. Get rid of it. Hand it over to God. I'd ask you this morning, what is it that's, uh, that's causing you stress this morning? What is it in your life that you're worrying about this morning? You could walk out of here handing that over to God. God says, I'll worry for the both of us. Okay, now God doesn't worry, but he's saying if you have to have someone worrying about, I'll do it for you. Let me carry it for you so that you can be free from that. I'm a good, loving father. I will take care of you. Okay, so that's, that's where it starts. I've got to refuse to worry. By the way, friends, that's a choice. You've got to make that choice. It is a battle in all of our lives, but it's something that we can learn to do, to just let God worry for us. Number two, though, Paul's going to tell us to ask God for help. If I'm going to bust stress in my life and have God's peace, I'm going to have to be willing to ask God for help. That's the second part of the verse. Paul says, never worry about anything. Instead, in every situation, let God know what you need in your prayers and your requests. So, so you can go to God and you can pray and you can say, God, here is specifically where I need help. I have found myself oftentimes going to God and being critical. I found myself going to God and complaining. And yet I've come to realize I never even stop just to, to make that specific request. God, this is what I need from you. Would you please help me in this? Would you please help me in this area of life? This is specifically where I need help. 
And one of the things I don't want to have happen in my life is I don't want to get to heaven and realize all the things God was willing to do for my life, but he didn't because I didn't ask. The Bible's clear. He expects you to come to and ask. In fact, this is what James tells us in James 4 too. You do not have because you do not ask God. There it is. I don't want to get to heaven and find all the things that, that God would have done for me, but I didn't ask. Because here is what I want to remind you of this morning. Here's what I've just been reminded of myself. Friends, God answers prayers. God answers prayers. Prayer is powerful. It's powerful. We have some uh, friends of ours that used to be our neighbors. Um, their daughter, who's friends with our kids, they found out she had this form of leukemia. And so she was every week having to go in and do these, these blood transfusions. And um, one night there was some kind of complication. She got sick and they took her in. And uh, the doctor came out and talked to mom and said, uh, I don't know what to tell you, her organs are shutting down. It's not looking good. She said, well, what can we do? And he said, really, at this point, there's nothing you can do. You can pray. That's about it. So she reached out to a lot of us, and we all started praying. And it was amazing because I talked to her afterwards. She said, when, when, when you guys were praying for me, I could feel those prayers. There's power in prayer, friends. It's one of the benefits of having a church family, by the way, is when you're going through a crisis or something, you can have people who are committed and who love you, willing to pray for you. We have a whole prayer team who, who loves to pray for people, who let us know their need. You can feel that peace. She said, I just had this peace, even though my diet didn't make any sense. And the next morning, the doctor came out and said, we don't know what to make of this. Uh, your, her, her organs were shutting down. We thought for sure she was gone. They are working again, and your daughter is making a full recovery. She said, he said, we, we don't know what happened. She said, I do. I, I took your request, and we prayed. Friends, don't ever forget there is power in prayer. Okay? Now, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8, 32, says, Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he who gave us Christ also give us everything else we need? Assuming we ask him. The logic here, what Paul is saying is, do you realize God has already done the hard stuff for you? The hardest thing to do was to get you into heaven. That was the hard part. Jesus had to come to earth. Jesus had to die on a cross. He had to, to, to undergo incredible amounts of pain as a sacrifice so that our, our sin could be taken away from us and we could come into a right relationship with God. That was the hard part. It was earn it, you know, earning our salvation for us so that you don't have to earn it for yourself because we can't earn it. God did the work. He's already done the hard stuff. The painful stuff. Paul's saying here, if he's already done that and he's, he's done it, he's accomplished it for you, now won't he do the easy stuff? Which is simply take care of you and love you and provide for you like a loving father for his children. That's the easy stuff. God wants to pour out blessing in your life. He wants to answer your prayers. But I know this is the, the question that always comes up when I talk about prayer. Then how come I've prayed for things and God said no? And I've got to tell you, you know, sometimes God will say no to our prayers. And I can't tell you why. Some, some of these things will only be answered when we get to heaven one day, God. Why, why didn't you answer that prayer? I trust that God is good. 
I trust that he's loving and he has a good reason for it, but we're not always going to know why he doesn't answer some prayers. However, I also know this, because I've learned this from my own personal life. Some of you have been praying for things, and God wants to answer that prayer in your life, but there are at least two things that are keeping God from answering that prayer in your life. What I'm about to talk about in the next couple minutes here, uh, I'm telling you, for some of you, this is going to be life-changing. Because you've been praying and you haven't seen God, but maybe even since he wants to answer your prayer, but he hasn't. I want you to consider two things. One, is there something in your life that you need to say you're sorry for? And I mean to God, not to me. I mean to God. There's something you've been praying and you've been saying, God, for example, Lord, I need more money. I'm struggling with my finances. I need more money. And and so you're praying that prayer, but what you never have acknowledged is that maybe on your part, you were trying to do your finances your way and not God's way, and you've never acknowledged that before God. You know, you said, God, you know, I was doing things my way, and it has not worked out well. I am sorry for that. I want to start doing things your way. I've I've found myself oftentimes praying for things and asking God for things and never even stopping to realize that maybe there was something on my part I needed to confess. And I'm telling you, God wants us to confess our sins so that we learn from them and grow from them. Um, By the way, you know what the Bible calls that? There's a word for it. Repentance. Repentance tends to have like a negative connotation in today's culture, but repentance is a great thing. Repentance simply means a change of mind. It's realizing, okay, how I was doing things was not working. Those principles that I was living by were failing me. God, now I want to live by your principles because your principles work. I want to do things your way because, God, you are wiser than I am. Repentance is a great thing, and I'm telling you, if some of you would figure out what that is, that mistake that you've made on your end and confess it, you just might see the floodgates of heaven and God start helping you. But then I want to say this as well. For some of you, you're constantly praying for a miracle. You're constantly praying for more money, or maybe it's health, or maybe I I don't know what that might be in your life. And don't get me wrong. I just told you a story. God does do miracles. But God doesn't always want to do miracles in your life. Do you know what would happen if God always just gave you what you asked him for? You would never grow You would never grow as a person. You would never grow in your relationship with Jesus. You would be like a spoiled brat who gets everything they want. That's why we don't want to raise spoiled brats. Because if we give our kids everything they want, they don't grow as human beings. And then they go out into the working world and they find out it's hard. Right? And so they don't last very long. Usually the relationships are strained. I've seen it here as a, a pastor. When you have kids who just crazy to get everything they want, oftentimes there'll be some kind of moral failure because they'll cut a corner to try to get something that they're used to having. They have personality, but they don't have character. Friends, what I want you to hear this morning, God is more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. And so sometimes we're praying, God, you know, give me more money. God, uh, give me that spouse. Give me that Prince Charming. Well, God's not just going to drop Prince Charming into your lap. If he does, you need to tell Prince Charming to get off because you're a Christian. (laughs) Leave some room for the Holy Spirit. 
Sometimes what God wants you to pray is, Lord, change me. Help me to learn, Lord, how to be a better steward of my finances. Maybe provide for me a class, Lord, that I could go and I could learn how to think better of my money and how to be wiser with my money. Now you're growing. God's not just giving it to you. You're growing. Do you realize God's giving you a brain? He's giving you intellect and he's giving you resources, people around you. And by the way, if finances is one of your struggles, we are going to be offering the financial peace class in February here at Edinburgh. I'd encourage you to look for that. That's an action step that you can take that helps you to grow as a human being. God cares about your character more than your comfort. So, first, I need to refuse to worry. Secondly, I need to ask God for help. Here's the last thing Paul mentions. He teaches us to always be thankful. Um, the last part of this verse, he says, when you ask God for what you need, also thank him for all he's done. When you ask God for what you need, also thank him for all he's done. Now, friends, listen to me. You don't have to thank God, you know, for evil. You don't have to thank God for cancer. You don't have to thank God for for the bad things that happen in this world. What Paul's teaching us here, though, is to give God thanks in all things. Which means no matter what your circumstances is this morning, God wants you to learn how to be a grateful person. Did you know there's been research on this? Do you know what the, the most healthy emotion you can have is? The most healthy emotion you can have is the attitude of gratitude. When when we are grateful, our stress levels go down. When you are grateful, your immunity levels actually go up. Practicing giving thanks is very healthy for our life and can give us peace. Uh, As a pastor, I often have people asking me, what's God's will for my life, pastor? And I know that God has a, a special will for each and every one of us. God's word tells us that. But before he's gonna reveal that to you or make that absolutely clear to you or help you to start walking in that, there's something I believe God wants you to do first. And we read this in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. The Apostle Paul says, In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You see what he's saying? So before God is going to, you know, answer your prayers and give you those things you want or help you to start walking in those things, he first wants you to learn how to be a person of gratitude. Because if you can't be thankful today in your situation, I'm I'm here to tell you, friends, I've been a pastor long enough. Even if God gives you everything you want, you won't be grateful then. You'll still find reasons to complain. You'll still find reasons to be cynical and, and, and be critical. Because it's not a circumstantial issue. It is a heart issue. One of the things God's been teaching me in my life, and this has been very helpful for me and very good for me, is it's kind of become my new mantra. It's just, um, you know, it could be worse. I have a tendency to complain. I have a tendency to be negative and to gripe to God. But God's just been reminding me lately, you know, Brent, it could be worse. So, like, we got hit with some, some extra taxes that we weren't um, expecting uh, late um, this year. And I was griping and I was complaining about it, that we're going to have to pay the government, you know, these, this, this extra amount of, of money. Um, but then I was driving off of Hiawatha Avenue. I don't know if any of you have driven by there where they have all these, there's all these homeless people living there. 
And there's these tents and these people that were living outside, and this was a time of year where it was getting pretty cold. And I just remember, God was just kind of telling me, it could, Brent, it could be worse. It could be worse. Here, you're complaining about this bill. These people don't even have homes. Uh, just this past week, uh, I got in my car, and one of the dashboard lights came on telling me that my, my tire pressure was down. I needed to put some air in my tires. It was 15 degrees on this day. And so I had to go to the gas station and get outside, and I'm freezing, just putting air, and I'm griping, and I'm complaining because I just want to get to work. But then I'm driving on 610 into work, and I see a car on the side of the road with another car, and they're tinkering on the engine. Their car had broken down. And I was like, man, it could, it could be worse. Then I was having a long day. I had three meetings, and I was tired. And I was grumbling and I was complaining on the way home. I walk into my house and I see Danielle chasing Callie around the house without a diaper on. <laughs> Danielle's got a diaper, trying to put it on her. Logan and Michaela um, are, are, are wrestling in the living room for the remote control. And, and I'm, I'm going to presume one of them was biting the other one because one of them was, was howling in pain. I closed the door. I said, I'm going back to work, okay? <laughs> and I, it could be worse. Okay, now I didn't leave. I actually did. I, go, I went in and I tried to, tried to help Danielle out. But I, and I told Danielle, I said, Danielle, clearly you have the harder job than I do. Clearly you have the harder job than I do. It, it could be worse, friends. And, and so the flip side of that is, what today could you give God thanks for? What, what could you simply be thankful for? in your life. What could you say? Thank you, God. And you've been so good to me. It, it, my situation could be worse. And you, you've put good things into my life, and I need to give you thanks for that. Now, I know some of you are going to say, okay, pastor, I hear what you're saying, but uh, really handing over my worries to God, uh, asking God for help and to change me so that I can change my situation, uh, always giving thanks, it, it, it sounds good, but it, it, it sounds impossible to have peace in the midst of the storm I'm dealing with. I know some of you are saying that this morning. And you're right. Left to yourself, it is impossible. But that's why Paul goes on right after he tells us about this peace. He says this in Philippians 4.13. He says, I have the strength to face anything and everything by the power that Christ gives me. Yeah, by yourself, you're right. You don't have the power. By yourself, you don't have the strength. But when we surrender our worries and we surrender our lives to Christ, Jesus gives us the power to walk in these things. That's the promise of his word. I want to end this morning, friends, by just showing you something, an illustration. Um, this box here represents our worries, okay? And many of us this morning, we come in with all kinds of worries. I know that. And then here's God. And uh, what I'm challenging you to do, right, is to give your worries over to God. So, like, you know, many of us have some work worries and things happening at our job, so you can give those over to God. Uh, many of us, you know, financial worries, or you could say, you know, finance issues, give those over to God, relational issues, you know, and you can just hand these things over to God this morning. Then there's even silly things that you and I worry about. 
Some of us take football way too seriously, myself included. Some of you are worrying about the Vikings. They lose. I mean, you literally ruined your week. Okay, we'll put that, we'll give that over to God this morning. Or you're a, you're a Packers fan. I mean, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, whoa, I could barely lift this thing. Right? And so you're, 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 you're giving, we want to give these things. What is our tendency though? You're going to walk out of here and then you're going to, okay, I got to take it back. God, you're not working fast enough. You're not working in my timing. You're not working, okay, I'm not seeing you at work. I'm going to take it back. I got to carry it again. What is our problem? Our problem is our God is too small. Our God is too small. What we need to do is get a bigger God, friends. We need a bigger God. Amen. And we don't just give him our worries. We give him our life. Say, God, I'm going to hide myself in you. God, I'm going to surrender to you this morning, and I'm going to ask for your protection in my life. I'm going to ask for you to provide for me. I'm yours, God. Provide. I'm your child. We ask for God's power to do these things that are within our ability to change. And ultimately, when we surrender to God, he gives us his peace. And that's what I want for you this morning. What is that in your life you need to surrender over to God this morning? Don't just give him your worries. Give him your life. Let's surrender to God this morning, and let's walk out of here with the peace Jesus came to bring. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I want to end in just a word of prayer and pray this over you. You just bow your heads with me. Well, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we do. We want to surrender ourselves to you. We want to hide ourselves in Christ this morning. We want to be your children. We want to experience the peace that you give to those who who turn from our ways and say, Lord, we want to do things your way because that is the path of peace. And so we start this morning, Lord, by just saying, we're going to help us to refuse to worry. Help us just right now. Whatever that thing is that's weighing us down, we turn it over to you and ask that you would do the worrying for us. You'd carry it for us in your timing and through your power that you would work things out. But God, help us not to worry. And then, Lord, there's some of us here this morning, we, 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 need, a, we need to make a prayer request right now. And I'm just going to give you a second, church, if that's you, just tell God what you specifically need. Lord, many of us have prayer requests in here. We're lifting those up to you this morning, but we also have things in our life we need to repent for. And so I also want to just take a second, and if there's something in your life you need to say, God, I'm sorry, I think I might have blown it. Or Lord, would you reveal to me something that maybe I need to work on and change? Would you, would you make that clear to me this morning? Church, I encourage you to do that. You might just see the floodgates of heaven open up. And last, God, we have so much to be thankful for. If anything, we can be thankful because we know the best is still yet to come for our lives because Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus has purchased eternal salvation for each one of us. Help us to believe that this morning. Help us to receive that this morning. Lord, help us to be thankful because of all the work that you've done on our behalf. 
So ultimately, Lord, we just, we pray for your peace this Christmas season. May it be ours in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name and all God's people said, amen. Church, love you. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be people up front who would love to pray with you. Otherwise, go in peace.